Hello and welcome to episode 27 of When Life Gives You Lemons, Go Vegan. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja, and just a disclaimer, I'm not a doctor. See a doctor, see a second or third doctor, preferably see a doctor who is plant-based. Dr. Malcolm Mackay is a great plant-based doctor here in Melbourne, Fitzroy, and he also does Skype consults, so check him out. Now, this week, I'm chatting to Penelope about her accidental recovery from IBS and hay fever after watching Netflix documentary Cowspiracy and going vegan for the health of the planet. It's an amazing story. If you've ever been bloated, gassy, constipated or had the runs, this episode is for you. Enjoy. So, hello, Penelope. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Ah, you're welcome. Thank you so much for getting in touch. And I'm so looking forward to hearing your story today because I think, well, I've had, I've had, I had, yeah, IBS symptoms for a long time. And I think so many listeners will benefit from hearing your story because not everyone has, you know, heart disease or type two diabetes or multiple sclerosis, like in my case. And, but loads and loads and loads of people have miscellaneous, unpleasant digestive issues. And we could really, you know, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, gas, all those types of things. And I think could really benefit from hearing your message today. So thank you so much. And please share with us your story. Yay. Um, Cool. So it was kind of an unexpected side effect because we went vegan, um, you know, for the environment and for the animals. We kind of jumped on the bandwagon um, when we, like, watched some Netflix stuff like Cowspiracy and whatever. It's a good bandwagon to jump on. Yeah. <laughs> and then three weeks after being vegan, so I'm still very new vegan, I was like, hang on a second. I haven't felt like all that the normal niggly everyday feelings of IBS. So I was like, I haven't felt really bloated or gassy and I haven't had diarrhea for, you know, all this time. So I was like, oh, I'll give it a go. And so I tried a little bit of garlic and I was fine. <laughs> and then so I had fructose intolerance, which um, meant that, you know, onion, garlic, apples, pears, that sort of stuff all really disagreed with me. Yeah, so after three weeks of being vegan, I started reintroducing things into my diet and I found that everything was fine, which was exciting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and so I sort of started realizing that um, other things were helped as well. So I used to have really, really bad hay fever and I've just realized that I've just gone through a whole spring and summer without needing to take any antihistamines at all. (laughs) So... Yeah. I think that hay fever as well is such a my husband had like literally he was was not without a hanky for the whole first almost 10 years we met. He just blowing his nose and surrounded by tissues and so revolting and I would say just try cutting out dairy and he'd say, "You know, no, I've had it my whole life. You know, it's just the way it is. I'm allergic to everything." And then just recently, even today, he was saying that my mum and him used to bond over their allergies, their hay fever, like be like, oh, God, how's your hay fever? Oh, mine's terrible. Oh, mine's, you know, like just I think it was great to like, not great, but just have that in common, a common. And she said my mum two nights ago was here and she, she said to him, oh, how's your hay fever? And he was like, I haven't, I, 
he's been eating, he's, well, he's been vegan this year and he was just like, and he, but he's been eating mostly vegan for a couple of years now. And he just said, you know, I don't really, it's over have it maybe one. I used to have antihistamines every day just to get through the day. And he said, I haven't had antihistamines for longer than he can remember. And he said, you know, and I, I know it's because of eating this way because nothing else worked. He had injections. He went to doctors and rounds and rounds of treatments for it and then he had a naturopath treatment for it and I think he had an acupuncture treatment for it and nothing worked but a vegan diet. So it's pretty cool. It's so funny how integrated the body is and I think like learning more about, you know, veganism and what it can help and listening to your podcasts and stuff, you start to realize that, you know, your body isn't all different separate systems. It's all running as like one thing. And, you know, what you put in it, of course, is going to impact like all of the systems and what it does and how it works. And yeah, um, particularly on like inflammatory diseases and stuff, like you find a lot of Um, inflammation markers in animal products and things and in edible plants there's all anti-inflammatory compounds so it kind of makes sense that eating plant-based will help calm those sort of systems yeah so it's kind of like everything's connected everyone should just you know (laughs) understand (laughs) i know i think i think doctors think that holistic people who are interested in holistic health that the word holistic means that we're just hippies but i but holistic just means look at the whole package like you say rather than looking at us as i'm a neurologist i just focus on your nervous system you know your head and your spinal cord and i'm a chiropractor i'm just into the bones and i'm a gynecologist proctologist all the bits podiatrist and they just focus on these sections of the body and it's great to be an expert in those areas but if you work if they worked in collaboration together more and then have such more well we know that they have such better outcomes when they do work in collaboration but they all like to think that they're distinct, yeah. That they that they have the, the whole answer is 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 in the part that they're looking at. When the whole answer is in, most often it's just in your gut. Let's face it. Seventy percent yeah. of our <laughs> health is in our immune systems in our intestines and gut. Yeah. So it's just funny that they like no no no. It's just here. <laughs> this is where yeah, I'm, actually. I'm. I'm actually doing hand signals, realizing that this is a a podcast where there's no visuals. So <laughs> in this section, <laughs> <laughs> this section, I was framing my head. Sorry, because I was just specifically <laughs> thinking about neurologists. Um, I'm not saying that those doctors are inherently bad. I'm just saying that it's 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 much more interwoven than what mo- mainstream medicine seems to give it give credit to. And I think now there is a second wave coming out that they're going, oh, hang on, this does impact on this, like especially with um, gut health and how it relates to mental health. Like there's a lot higher rates of major depressive disorders in people who suffer from digestive problems. And they're starting to realize that there's a whole interlinking system going on there. I mean, there's a lot of nerves and stuff in your gut as well. So it kind of makes sense that way. And there's research that suggests that the bacteria that are colonizing your gut, which relates to what you're eating, they can influence what your brain is doing and how and what cravings you have. So I kind of think like when people are all like, oh, I could never go vegan because I really like chicken or I really like bacon. It's kind of like, well, 
is that you talking or is that the bacteria that you're cultivating in your little gut there you know <laughs> like it's yeah I, I love that you said that because I think I, I think so many people do say that and you know we you are what you eat is so it's such a simple throwaway remark but it's just so true when we eat when we what we eat, we become addicted to, and our gut, and it feeds the gut, the microbiome, bacteria in our guts, and and then we crave that more and more, and it's just this vicious, vicious cycle until we are. Well, in lots of, in most cases, in many cases, we are unwell to some extent, which is um, such a shame because yeah, they are they are addictive, and I don't think most most people don't realize how addictive. Foods are not just because processed foods are designed to be addictive, like the, you know, um, not I'm not even talking about the casein in, in milk and dairy products, you know, in like the Cokes and the McDonald's and all those things are designed to be, to just get us crazy. Yeah, high, sugar, high salt, high fat, like your body's like, oh, yeah, I need that. But it's like, yeah, that was fine when we were, you know, you came across a bush that had berries on it and you're like, yes. I'll eat all of the berries. But, like, when you come across a packet of gummy bears, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. not, that's not the right thing to be eating. But your brain is still, like, yeah. kind of, oh, yes, this sugar. Yes, definitely. And um, that Doug Lyle, I don't know if I'm sure you are, you are aware of Doug Lyle's work. So he, he wrote the book The Pleasure Trap. If you haven't read it, get your hands on it. It's really, really good at explaining exactly what Penelope is saying about – in. Biologically, and I'm not talking about the paleo diet, but I'm not talking about the paleo diet's translation of what our ancestors, whether ancestors used to eat. I'm talking about biologically, you know, in the wild, you we would sit and eat a whole pile of berries because we might not find berries for a really long time. But and now, now when we're cramming in food, we're surrounded by an abundance of high calorie foods and we still have that same, we need to eat to satiation because we may not eat again for a really long time. And unfortunately, that's not the case for us. So we eat again in two hours or three hours to the same volume and then wonder why we have an obesity epidemic because the foods that we're eating are so rich and high in calories and we literally are wired to seek out the highest calories um, to prevent us from dying of famine. And I think that's a really good point as well. Like I think it's Dr. McDougall that has it in his book, but it's like about, you know, everybody says, oh, go for moderation. Like um, if you have everything in moderation, you'll be fine. But the problem with that is that our brain is not wired for moderation. Like we can't stop because, you know, if you were in the wild and you found lucked on some sort of um, resource, your your brain is wired to say eat all of it. So it's really important to be like, you know, if you have the willpower, maybe moderation is great, but most of us just don't. And you can see it. Like if you walk around, like go to the supermarket or whatever and just look at all the people, there is like there's a lot of massive people out there, which is, but it's just a shame. Like, you know, some of them think they're doing the right thing and they're like, oh, why can't I lose weight or whatever or, yeah, so – it's it's really tricky and it's difficult because they are well we are as a species we are super super smart in creating all of these foods that I guess post World War Two we needed foods that had a long shelf life so we were really trying to make foods and create foods that 
lasted a long time in case all the men had to go off to war again and there was no food left, no farmers out there working the fields and creating you know, growing food to feed the women and the children and the people who were left behind um, in war. And so I understand that. Unfortunately, we've gone too far and those foods should have been, you know, that they were, you know, canned foods were great, but they went too, 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 too far with too much processed packaged refined foods, too high in fat, too high in sugar, too high in salt, which the sugar and the salt do create a long shelf life, but unfortunately, a very short human life. (laughs) It's like, well, these foods are designed to be survival foods, you know, like it's not dying and there's nothing around, of course. Like go grab the can of beans. Well, beans are usually good, but, um, you know, grab whatever, have your sugar snack. (laughs) It's like, yes, it will keep you alive, but but there is a difference between living and thriving. And I think the body just does much better on foods that it was kind of evolved eating. And that's, you know, your whole foods. But it's funny that this isn't just out there. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Everybody's like, yeah, we should be eating more fruits and vegetables. But I don't think they realize how important it is and how much better they could feel. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, you're a vegan. You're just trying to get everyone to change their mind. I'm like, well, I just want you to feel healthy like I do. (laughs) (laughs) It's, um, yeah, it's really hard because obviously they've got the marketing everywhere that says, oh, eat this or or even that, you know, if you want to be healthy, eat this tub of yogurt that's chocked full of sugar and it's low fat though, you know. Mm. (laughs) Or it's got, it's high, this Fruit Loops are high in fiber and you're like, oh, God. (laughs) Are they? <laughs> they might be. They might have some fiber in them, sure. But your body just doesn't need rainbow-colored, refined, high-sugar junk food in it that's also high in fiber. Like, anyway, it's crazy. But yeah, those those market they, they marketing is just so manipulative, and it's no wonder people buy into it because you know, they market saying organic, but it just might mean that like it's was once made of plants. <laughs> It's yeah. not. It's not actually <laughs> anything in it that's organic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's or it's natural flavoring, and the flavoring's natural, but it's like really far removed from the original natural thing. But it kind of once was natural, so that means it's natural. It's like, well, salt is natural, but it doesn't mean that you could have it, you know, in tubs and tubs and tubs and be fine. Like, you know. And arsenic is natural, but that doesn't mean it's good for you, you know. It's um, it's funny how. Uranium's all... natural, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure I'd like to shovel that in. So. Maybe I don't want uranium-laced ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's very tricky. And I think it's difficult because there's lots of confusing, you know, that. I had this conversation recently, like, you know, eggs, eggs are good again, you know, eggs are great again. Everyone knows now that healthy cholesterol is good cholesterol and your body needs healthy cholesterol. So eat, we should start eating eggs again. And, and it's, it's tricky because, you know, there's, there is science in inverted, inverted quotations that says the science is in, eggs are back on the menu, eat as much um, for animal fats as you can, shovel them in. Unfortunately, those people, like that, it's true. There is so much confusing things, but 
Dr. Esselstyn's work is the only work that has reduced and removed animal products and has been able to reverse and halt heart disease. There is no other science or research that's done that. And that work said no eggs, you know, you, and there's no other heart disease reversal that says, you know what, have as many eggs as you like. No one's reversing heart disease by including eggs, but you know, there is research that says if you like eggs, go ahead. And you're like, well, if you like heart disease, go ahead and eat eat the eggs. <laughs> it's like, ugh. <laughs> and that's the thing, like a lot of research that comes out, and this is, again, going back to like, you know, we're segmenting everything and we're thinking that we understand it, but it is more integrated than that. And there is a lot of science out there that's like, yes, well, protein is great. But they're looking at, you know, there's some they're thinking that the whole is the sum of its parts and it's like we need protein so eat this thing because it's mostly protein and I was like well actually your body does seem to function much better on things that have the protein but they also have the dietary fiber and whatever else and they're not having an overabundance of one nutrient they've got you know balance of nutrients and I think like the only balanced diet you can have is with plant foods because plant foods have all of the things you need in the levels that you need. Whereas, you know, animal products, yes, they do have um, proteins and fats and things which your body does need, but they've got like so much protein. They're mainly protein and they're mainly fat and there's no fiber. There's no, you know, other things that your body needs as well. And um, I think, yeah, the looking at, if you're looking at the science, it will say um, your body needs protein. And then people will be like, oh, cool, let's eat animal products because they've got the highest amount of protein. I was like, well, actually, that's too much. Your body doesn't need that much protein. I think it's, I think because it has been so confusing, I personally, like, I I completely get that people get, that was too many gets, but I completely get that people get so overwhelmed with the current misinformation, information around the best, most optimal diet for humans to thrive on. And I think for me that the way I've simplified it is to look at the blue zones. Now, Okinawa was a blue zone. It's no longer a blue zone because they have incorporated so much meat, dairy, eggs and processed foods into their diet now that they no longer are counted as a blue zone. But blue zones are... For people who are listening, they are the places in the world who have the highest number of thriving people who live into their hundreds. And majority, well, all those blue zones, things that they have in common is a high, high amount of well, a higher level of plant-based ratio between plant eating and meat eating. So they mostly live on a plant-based diet, mostly high starches like whole grains, potatoes, root vegetables, corn, maize, that type of thing. And those those places, those communities, those little um, patches of areas with, with these people who are living and thriving into the thriving into the old age. They're not they're not they're not just decaying miserably into their old age. They're thriving into their old age, thriving into their um into living over a hundred. They're the ones eating a high whole food plant based diet, very, very, very low in fats. They have very little heart disease, very little cancers. They 
they were thriving on a plant-based diet and they're the only places that were. You know, you can look all across. People often look to the Inuits and the um, Maasai tribes looking for populations that don't have disease but consume high meat diets. Unfortunately, those diets, those, first of all, the Inuits had a very short lifespan tradition, typically. Um, and same with the paleo ancestors. They look, people often talk about the paleo diet being the way we're designed to live, but those populations live to like 25, 45 years old. You don't want to mimic a population that dies before they get to 40. It's just not an ideal diet. Also, uh, like the paleo diet that we have it does not match what humans were eating in the Paleolithic era. Like, yeah, we had some meat. We but didn't it was eat like, bacon. <laughs> yeah, no, we didn't eat bacon. And mostly we still ate whole grains and whatever. Like, And, you know, people are like, oh, well, I'll cut out flour. It's like, well, no, we were milling flour. It was just whole grain flour at the time. So if you have wholemeal flour, that's what we were eating in the Paleolithic era. You know, it's like people love to jump on these things they're like yes I can eat as much bacon as I want or whatever and they're like oh yeah it's based in science it's like well actually it's not because that's not even true it's just somebody's used that but exactly and like the the gathering part of the paleolithic time is was far more of what we ate than the hunting part the hunters weren't that successful it was really difficult to hunt and capture an animal and kill so when they did eat meat it was very rare now people who are on a paleo diet are eating meat for breakfast lunch and dinner when that just wouldn't have been the case they would have been eating berries grains wild plants tubers etc and the proportions would have been so much smaller you know like (laughs) they would be having a whole big bowl of bacon they'd be having you know Maybe one bit of meat and, you know, their whole tribe will be eating the one thing that they caught, you know, whatever long. So it's um, it's very warped. People, I think, just try and – because there's always a way you can cherry-pick science to fit whatever you want to say. But it's just, yeah. Which is why, to go back to the blue zones, the blue zones are a great reason to say, okay – What's the long, what are the thriving populations across history been doing? They've been doing a low fat, whole food, plant based diet. So go with that. Everything else, forget. They weren't doing a bacon diet. They weren't doing their Atkins diet. They weren't doing paleo diet. They were doing a whole food, plant based diet um, and living into their hundreds. So if you want to live well and thrive, it is the, just research them and have a, have a, have a look at how they ate and how they lived. And and the other thing is that, you know, like that's what's been on your podcast, it's not only that they're living longer, it's that they're really thriving. You know, they don't have as much arthritis or eczema or all these things, these chronic diseases that we have um, in our society. And it's kind of like a little warning bell that something's wrong with what we're putting in the body because our body's trying to deal with it in a certain way and then, you know, finally it's like enough is enough you know this is going to happen or whatever like and you know like you've often said a a healthy body doesn't just start attacking itself you know like and for me like it was a big kind of wake-up call like why is my body like why am I getting all this pain why am I getting this diarrhea and stuff like this isn't what a normal body should be doing and like it comes back to what a normal body should be eating and it's not meat (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So going back to that, you were talking about fructose malabsorption. So how long have you been living with fructose malabsorption? Um, It was about three years. 
so not as long as um, some other diseases, but I've, you know, I was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Describe your disgusting fructose <laughs> symptoms to us. This is a safe space, Penelope. Go for it. <laughs> Bring up poop again. <laughs> <laughs> it's every episode. <laughs> Digestive issues. <laughs> um yeah, so I sort of started feeling, and it was funny because my mother-in-law had fructose malabsorption, so I was kind of aware of like what it was, and I'd had a really bad kidney infection, and I think like I have a lot of theories about IBS, and I think it's all really closely linked to your microbiome. Anyway, so I had really bad kidney infection. I had um, really high doses of antibiotics, and after I finally got better from that, I started noticing all these gut issues. And I was like, oh, I just feel so yuck all the time. And then I ate an apple, and I think that was just like the tipping point. And I have never felt so sick. I was like, got the pain, and I was just sitting on the toilet for ages. I was like, oh, this is awful. And then I was like, oh, I know that, Carmen. My mother-in-law can't eat apples. It must be the same thing. So then I started seeing like, okay, do I get sick if I eat onions? Yes, I do. Okay, let's not eat onions again. And so I was kind of like, I could manage it. But yeah, I just wasn't feeling quite right. And the doctor was kind of like, oh, yeah, well, we don't really know what it is. They kind of, they did all of the, you know, um, tried to see if I had Crohn's disease or celiac disease or all of those things, ruled them all out. And then they were like, oh, well, by default, your diagnosis is IBS. So you're just going to have to deal with feeling yuck. And I was like, oh, so is there any treatment or cures or anything? And they're like, oh, no, like peppermint oil can help people, but pretty much you just live with it. And sometimes it disappears sporadically and sometimes it doesn't. And I was like, why aren't they looking into why in those cases it disappeared and in my, you know, in other cases it didn't? Like why don't they know? Like why don't they know why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was kind of like a bit glum because the doctor kind of seemed like, oh, well, this is just what you're going to live with now. Anyway, so I kind of accepted that a little bit and I just managed myself like at home. It was kind of like a big change for me because I was like, how am I going to cook a decent meal without onion and garlic? Like that's the base for everything. (laughs) But anyway, I figured out like what foods made me sick, what didn't. But it was still like just so hard going out because um, restaurants don't understand what fructose malabsorption is and they don't understand, you know, which foods – have too many oligofructans, like they just don't know. So often they would muck up and then I would get sick and it's like it's just not very pleasant to be running to the toilet in the middle of a restaurant, you know, and then being like, oh, I'm really embarrassed because, you know, it stings and it's not nice and, yeah. But, um, yeah, and I remember one time I went to this place and I said to the waiter like, oh, last time I came here I had this and then he came back and was like, we can't make a custom meal for you. You've got to pick something on the menu and then I'll I'll alter it. And I was like, okay, well, I'll do that. And he's like, I know all about fructose. And I was like, oh, could you just come back and tell me what's in it before you make the meal because just in case I can't have anything. He's like, no, 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 I know what, I know what it is. So I was like, okay. And then it came out and it had cashews all over it. I'm like, I know I can't eat cashews, but – I didn't want to send it back because I'd been embarrassing this back and forth. So I tried to pick it all out. I put them all to the side, but there must have been some crushed in it. And I remember like within 15 minutes, I had the most severe like gut pain and I had to run to the toilet and then I was sitting on the toilet and the people who were with me were kind of like, oh dear, are you okay? And then I was like, oh, this is just the pits. Like I'm so sick of feeling like this. So then 
you know, I just wouldn't really eat out unless it was a FODMAP-friendly restaurant or whatever. Mm. And I started, like, looking into veganism and I found the FODMAP-friendly vegan. So if anyone has IBS and they want to go vegan and they think, oh, well, how am I going to do that without beans and stuff, because that's a major thing for vegans, um, I'd recommend getting on her website because it's really helpful. Like, she tells you how to, you know, get all your nutrients and all of that. Anyway, so I started kind of, like, going down that route. I, I never expected it to disappear when I went vegan. That's why I went with her stuff. But I think it helped that we went cold turkey because I do think it was to do with the microbiome. And the fact that we did a major dietary shift, um, I think that shifts your microbiome really significantly. There's a bit of evidence to suggest that. And I think that's what got rid of whatever was making me sick. And then suddenly I could eat what I wanted again. So, Yeah. Wow, so it was kind of like you did a really, really rapid elimination diet. It's easy for me because I was like, you know, I'm, I'm so used to making the connection between this food is making me sick, just don't eat it again because I was, you know, I was so like as soon as I'd had cashews and they made me sick, I was like, I'm never touching those again. So like it made it easy for me to make the connection between oh, meat is making me sick and milk is making me sick and all that. So I think that really helped the transition because I was like, oh yeah, elimination is just daily life for me. Wow. And so you and th- within three weeks, you started noticing a, a difference. Yeah. And I was just sort of sitting there one day and I was like, it's been three weeks, about a month or whatever. And I was like, I have not felt bad. Like, and usually even if I wasn't feeling sick, like if I hadn't eaten something like garlic or something and had diarrhea or whatever, I would still feel like heavy and bloated and stuff and I was like you know what I'm feeling really good like I wonder if um I might be a little bit better or and I just thought maybe I can have little bits of things now and so I tried a little bit of I knew garlic was one of the things that sometimes people get a little bit more tolerant to so I tried some of that and I was like it's fine and I tried a whole like we had three cloves of garlic in this meal and I was like, I'm fine. And then I ate a whole apple and I was like, I'm fine. And I was like, it's just gone, which was just crazy. And everyone, you know, around me was like, what the hell? Like you had this such significant problem and now like, you know, it's, it's almost overnight. It's just gone. That is so good. That is so, such a relief. So, so just while we're here, how, what was your diet like before and 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 after, like, tell us the difference. People can see, listeners can see, or can hear about what you were eating like and what you're eating like now. Yeah, well, we thought we were being pretty healthy, <laughs> like I think a lot of people do. You know, most of our food wasn't red meat. You know, we'd have red meat maybe once or twice a week, but it was mostly chicken. But we would have meat for every dinner. Like, didn't really ever have a vegetarian meal and if it was it had eggs on it you know like I'd have eggs for breakfast and um you know sometimes oats but like I kept getting sick from different types of fruit so I would usually have if I did have oats it would be in milk and I would have like apples or whatever on it but then I started getting sick from that so I had to kind of strip it back and so really what I was having was you know toast with eggs for breakfast or you know, whatever. Um, yeah. And then a lot of, you know, always butter, always, it's like 
when you start thinking back, you're like, actually, I did have every meal had animal products in it, which we thought was fine. Um, yeah, we didn't eat a lot of processed foods. Like we didn't eat foods out of packets because usually they have garlic and onion in them. But, um, yeah, so we make all of our food from scratch. But, again, like, you know, part of the typical diet of Australians, like everything's based in oil. So, um, you know, you chuck your oil in there, then your meat, and then you kind of build on that. So, yeah, that was kind of what we were eating Um, and it was funny, we decided to go vegan like the day after we just done this massive grocery shop and lucky we had. So annoying. (laughs) And we're like, oh, what do we do? Do I eat, do we eat the rest of this and then do it? Or what do we do? And then we had friends coming over and we're like, no, you know what? We don't want to eat it. So we just gave them all of this stuff we bought, you know, bulk buy, chicken. Mental note, never watch Netflix documentaries after you shop. Wait till the end of the week when the pantry's bare. (laughs) And it was just so amazing. Like we gave all this stuff away and it was like the first meal where like, what do we do? You know, like there's no meat. How do we start the meal? (laughs) And I think like. Yeah, a lot of people are just so afraid of it because it's such a normal thing, you know. You go to make your dinner and everything is based in oil and meat. So that was what we were eating. So what did you eat that first that first vegan meal? What was your first vegan meal? Do you remember? I wouldn't have a memory. Mine's been too long. I don't think – I think it was a curry because we – liked our curries and that's a good that's a good gateway yeah and usually they were chicken based but we're like oh what could we do instead and I think we did it with potato so it was like a potato curry and then we sort of started getting into the tofu and all of that sort of stuff as well we're still not really like low-fat whole food plant-based I don't think my husband will ever go that route because he loves his chips and his oil-based things but you know we didn't even know that was a thing when we first went vegan so it's so funny how and I think um on your last podcast I listened to um it was Christine I think who said you know I found this healthful way of eating you know through Dr. Gregor's How Not to Die and all of that but I would never have found all of that had I not already been vegan mm. how do we get this little pocket of the world out so that people who are really struggling with heart disease and just think, oh, well, it's nothing to do with what I'm eating. And it's like, but but it is. <laughs> and maybe just give it a go, you know. But I don't know how to get that out there because um, until I was vegan, I didn't know about all of these health things. And now it's just like expanded this entire world, you know, um, where I've read that book by Dr. Gregor. I've got the China study. I've got the starch solution. And I'm like, oh, it makes so much sense, you know. Um yeah, for people. It's so tricky and it is such a very fringe group, but it growing and growing and growing, but it is it is still very fringe. And like you said, I would never have found it if I hadn't have. Well, I was eating similar and then I went vegan and then I found the low-fat whole foods from there. But I was eating low-fat with seafood for multiple sclerosis which wasn't about veganism. It was about multiple sclerosis healing. And then I went vegan because I only had, had, like I say, I only had fish and honey left, so it was no big deal. I egg whites. So I didn't have much to lose. Yeah. (laughs) But so much to gain. So much to gain. So much to gain. That's another thing. I try and, like, you know, try and be like, just give it a go to these people who I can see struggling with, 
you know, whether it be IBS or whatever else they have. And I'm like, you know what? There's no bad side effects. Like if you make sure you're getting all the right things, like if you're eating whole foods, there are no bad side effects. No one's going to feel worse. Like you're not going to have suddenly have iron deficiency or whatever. Like there are actually lower rates of iron deficiency in vegans than in meat eaters. But anyway, um, but there's so many good side effects and it's kind of like, why don't you just give it a go, <laughs> you know, because there's all this you could gain and really nothing to lose except for, you know, you meet that like, you know, two weeks later after you've stopped eating it, you don't even want it. How's your husband been? Because men are often more, to generalise, more find it more difficult to lose the animal-based foods. How, how did he go? such a manly thing you know you're cooking your steak or whatever your barbecue <laughs> and your tongs and you yeah. know but um yeah no he's been okay I think like as we found more and more things that are delicious and vegan it's kind of been like oh you know I still I can have this and um I think we've gained a little bit of weight because we're all like I wonder if you could veganize this dish or this one so you know all get on the junk food I I I have I have been down that road myself (laughs) with cake when I first went this way of eating I kept making cake yeah I was like can I make a, a cake that's vegan that's like tastes like this cake that I really liked (laughs) <laughs> and all the rest of my family wouldn't eat it because they wouldn't want it. They didn't care about cake. But so then I'd have a whole cake there and I'd be like, well, oh, what am I going to do? i got to eat this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Together we've found things that we were missing that we could replace. And, like, for him, he was a massive cheese eater. So I didn't think that he'd go vegan just because he loved his cheese platters and his mozzarella on his pizzas and all of that. Um, but... Yeah, we found some cheese recipes. We haven't been able to find a good hard cheese yet, but, like, we've got this um, mozzarella cheese that's made by the Buddhist chef, who's really good, um, which we use. Obviously, it's not low-fat. No, no, no. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it just helps him get over the line, I think, and those sort of replacements. And I think... There's a pl- there's definitely a place if, if if you don't have a if you have heart disease obviously steer as far away from the high fat foods as possible but if you're just listening to this podcast and you're just thinking about going vegan but otherwise fairly healthy those transition foods like the you know cheeses vegan cheeses vegan chocolates vegan junk food if they're the what if they're what's going to push you over the edge into this into committing into being able to commit to this way of eating, I say go for it because it's still better for the planet. It's still better for the animals. It's just not that great for your health. <laughs> but I mean, two out of three ain't bad sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and even still, like even though we're still eating a little bit of oil and stuff, like it still made a massive difference. Like to him, he had like. I don't know, he'd sweat a lot and he'd just be general manly, you know, had um, some skin issues and stuff, which have all really cleared up, which is sort of like a happy side effect as well. Like um, even though we were, we're not the healthiest of, of vegans, it's still been helpful, you know, just, just to do that. There's been, you know, and my hay fever and stuff, like it's still going to have a health benefit because you're getting rid of those animal products that aren't 
great for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, your microbiome hates them. Yeah. <laughs> so. And, the ones, and it just makes sense, like, to me, you know, I don't know if it's very scientific or not, but if you're eating meat, right, and there's bacteria living on that meat and eating that meat and you put that in your body and you are made of meat, it kind of makes sense that you're going to have more pathogenic bacteria coming into your system because they're sitting on things that are quite similar to you and eating those, maybe they're not great for you. Whereas if they're sitting on a plant eating a plant, that's not going to hurt you, you know? Yes. So now how did your family and friends take your transition? Because lots of people find that they are keen to eat this way and to change their their diets, but then they are faced for the first time with a friend who challenges them or a family member who challenges them. And they're like, oh, you know, maybe I should buy some cheese for guests when they come. And now it's going moldy, so I better eat the cheese because I haven't had guests for a couple of weeks. Or, or a friend of theirs is saying, oh, you know, challenging their beliefs about why they've gone vegan or, or what. Have you had any pushback and how have you found that? I have. Um, and it's really, I like to engage in debates and stuff, so I'm not... Um, which is good because I'm not really a kind of person to back down and I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll come back at you with all of this science, you know, sort of behind me. Um, it's been good. I sort of felt like really shocked that everybody doesn't want to fully embrace it like I have because I, I go, you know, I didn't know. And as soon as I found out, I was like, yes, we're making a switch and this is so good. And, oh, my gosh, I can't believe nobody told me before and why isn't everybody screaming this from the rooftops? But then I go to someone, you know, a family member who has this or that issue, and I go, you know what? Like I've read about veganism helping this issue and, and isn't that fantastic? And, oh, my gosh, get excited. And they're like, oh, yeah, cool. And I'm like, why aren't you so excited about this? Yeah, other than that, like I've had with, you know, we do family dinner and stuff and they always make us vegan food and if we host it, then everybody will eat the vegan food and not grump at us. (laughs) (laughs) Good. That's good. So we've been really lucky that we've got a really supportive family. Still fingers crossed that I'll get everybody into this way of eating, but I think like as you mature in your vegan journey, I think everybody kind of goes... Some people just won't change and you've got to somehow come to terms with that because I just, yeah, I just didn't understand why people were going, oh, no, I'm I'm going to stick with what I'm eating because I'm like, no, it's killing you. Like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I've read this and, oh, my gosh, like, get rid of it. It's giving you cancer. And everyone's kind of like, oh, cool, I'll still eat it. I know. It's very, very, very... Very difficult to navigate that with your family and loved ones because you just want everyone to feel as good as you feel and they're just like, nope, I'm happy to feel this this level of average forever if it means I get to keep eating what I've been eating and not have to change myself. <laughs> in it's amazing like how many excuses people can come up with. And I get it. It's big. It's different. It's extreme if you like. But... You know, like if a doctor came to you and was like, here is this pill, it will help you lose weight, get rid of your acne, get rid of your hay fever, do all this, and there's these side effects, people would be like, yeah, I'll jump on that, I'll have Mm, that. mm. And it's like 
people are so, you know, I just don't understand why they're not willing to change this one thing. And it's like any, yeah, a lot of people say, oh, it's too hard or I wouldn't know where to start or maybe like, oh, I'm doing enough for the environment in my own way. Like I've got, you know, I've, you know, lobbied for whatever and I have shorter showers and stuff. And it's like, but you could be doing so much more and, you know, you could be helping your body so much more and it's just so worth it. But yeah. Yes. I think that a lot of it, you know, comes back to um, just conditioning and food is just such a religion for people, you know. It's such a religion. We are so from birth indoctrinated into this way of eating and it's, everything we've ever known and it's so hard to shift and it's our comfort a lot of us default you know we as from from birth we're basically placated with with junk food you know our kids are like oh you're crying here have a lolly oh you're crying let's go for an ice cream oh you're crying let's get mcdonald's so people just think those think of those foods and those foods literally say to them i i always go back to andrew taylor mrs budfit we seek our emotional support outside of us in food. We seek to feel our joy, happiness, comfort. Anytime we feel any kind of unpleasant emotion, majority of society, rather than deal with it, rather than say, what do I need? I need a hug. I need a boyfriend. I need a new job. I need a holiday, I need to move house or change career or whatever it is, rather than face those things, we say, I can get some joy from cake. I can get some joy from the pantry. The pantry will have the solution to my unhappiness inside it. (laughs) And when you say plants could do that, they're just like, what? (laughs) Plants cannot do for me what a block of cheese and some crackers and a glass of wine will do for me. <laughs> and that's another thing I think, like, um, people feel trapped in their health destiny, but it's just not the case. Like, people are like, oh, my family was always big, so I'm going to be big, and or my family all have heart disease, so I'm going to have heart disease. And it's like, well, actually, if you look at it, like, food is such a big part of our culture that we pass on what we eat to our children and everything and like you were saying like when your kid gets sad you give them an ice cream and then when they're older they'll think I'm sad I need an ice cream and it's kind of like you know it's it's not always going to be a genetic thing it's going to be a culture thing it's going to be what you were taught what you were brought up with and it's like you're not trapped in what your family all, all of the ailments that go back all the years and you know just like with my hay fever I'll bring that up again like my Mum has terrible hay fever. My brother has terrible hay fever. You know, the three of us would be sneezing and blowing our nose and stuff all through the spring season. And now they may still have that and I don't. And it just kind of baffles me that people don't want to give it a go in like, you know, it could solve, even if it just solved your weight issue or if it solved, you know, your hay fever issue or if it solved your eczema or whatever, like, why wouldn't you want to get on that? Like, and it, yeah, it still confuses me that people are happy to just be like, oh yeah, well you do you, like that's fine. You go be vegan. And then that I'll, I just will not. And you're like, okay. 
Doesn't make sense. <laughs> oh, they never know. They may eventually. Like people, I know so many people um, from my journey, which is part of the reason why. Like, cause, yeah, part of the reason why I do the work that I do is because, or even if I just, or just, just militantly post vegan stuff to my personal page, and you know, everyone hates it. I'm sure, and I'm hoping that most of the people who do hate it have unfollowed me, but. I get enough people, old friends, work colleagues, people writing to me saying that they're starting on this journey because of something that they saw on my post or a, a podcast or whatever it is that everyone else is like, why won't you just shut up about veganism? And I'm like, I'm not going to because I know <laughs> that it's getting to some people. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I don't want to because it's not just about whatever. It's about like, I love you and I want you to feel good. And I know that I feel good because of this. So it's kind of like. The thing is, we both weren't always vegan. You know, we found this way too. It wasn't like I was born a vegan, like my kids have been, but they're, you know, they might not always be vegan. I won't love them anymore if they're not, but you know, they know that. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I will still love them. Just less, just much, much less. <laughs> I'll be forcing myself to love them if they don't stay vegan for their whole life. But no, I'll keep loving them. I was just re trying to, th I'm just paused thinking, will I really? I'm saying this because I should say it as a mother, but. <laughs> what did you say? It would be a big challenge to keep loving we, were, we weren't all born vegan and it is a difficult, it is a difficult, shocking transition. But I mean, once you're this far down the road, I guess that you just, I am just like, but like so good for the, it's so good for the animals. Just if it was just, if it was just really great for the animals, I'd be like, okay, sure. And it's so good for the planet. And if it was just, you know, better than riding a bike for the planet, I'd be like, sure. You know, it's such an ease for me. It's such a, I can be such a lazy environmental activist and be vegan and be doing still so much more than if I wasn't vegan and was just tied myself to a tree. And I, I sort of like, I get so confused when, you know, either you see somebody who, who's like, oh, I'm a big environmentalist and then you see them with their plate of eggs or whatever and you're like, what are you doing? Like, or, um, or if you... See someone, what really gets to me is like if you know all the things about veganism and then you go vegan and then you go back to not, I'm like, why <laughs> just, is it really that big of a commitment just to not eat animal products? Like you don't even have to give up everything because you can always find a vegan replacement mm. for it. Mm. it yeah, I just don't get I it. Think, I think that a, a lot of people when they do go vegan I think that some of the stumbling blocks that I've found um, in those people are either they've gone like raw vegan for a, like because all the Instagram girls are super hot and they're all raw vegans and they're eating like a green juice for breakfast and a smoothie for lunch and they might not be educated enough around what they need to thrive as far as they might start feeling weak or anemic and they're over-exercising along with not consuming enough high-quality whole food plant-based calories. So they become anemic and weak and their family are like, what are you doing? You're starving yourself to death. You've lost weight. Stop being vegan. And they're like, oh, vegan was killing me. You know, I was fading away vegan. And you're like, 
look, not vegan wasn't killing you. You just need to make sure that you're getting like apps like Chronometer where you can type in exactly what you're eating for the day and follow it for a week, track what you're eating and say, and it will tell you you're not eating enough of this nutrient. You're not getting enough protein. You're not getting enough carbohydrates. You're not eating enough iron. That's a really, because it is easy. It's very easy to under eat nutrients if you're eating a junk food vegan diet just calories like because you have to eat so much more vegan food like whole foods to get the same amount of calories as like one tiny little bit of animal food because it's just so chock-a-block full of fat and stuff yeah and I've had people like I was like everybody should go vegan like the natural thing for a human body is to eat you know whole foods because all these um, societies that have lived so long and lived so vibrantly, they've all been plant-based, blah, blah, blah. And people are like, oh, but I knew people who went vegan or went vegetarian and then they started feeling bad and stuff. So obviously some people just need meat or some people can't do it. And I'm like, well, it's not true. It's not that you can't do it. It's that you weren't eating the right things. And I think like, why are you so happy to jump back into meat when you could be finding the same thing in a plant food, it's like, why don't you just do the research and find the vegan option for that rather than just saying, oh, it's all too hard and giving up? Yeah. I, I think that recently, not really, I don't know when I heard it, but just talking about that you're just getting those nutrients secondhand in the meat. Like the animal ate them. That's how come they're in the animal flesh. So you're getting secondhand. Rather than eating the, the animals eating the thing that you should have eaten to get the nutrient, instead you're eating it secondhand through the animal's body parts. If you just eat the whole plant that the animal was eating, then you'll get what the animal got. Like the biggest, the biggest strongest animals we have, rhinos, gorillas, all those big, huge elephants, they're all herbivores, you know, frugivores, herbivores, herbivores. They get all those nutrients through plants, just like we do. They just have to eat large volumes of it and then you be A-OK. But chronometer is a great thing. And the Dr. Gregor, I always find Daily Dozen such a little bit tongue twister. Daily, Daily, Daily Dozen app and his book, How Not to Die, has it in there as well. They're really great resources just to go, okay, check, I've had that, check, I've had that. You know, you can just tick it off and say, yep, yeah, I've got that for the day. So that's one of the thing, reasons I think people fail on a vegan diet. The other thing I think is that they they buckle to peer pressure in their group. So having a supportive community. So I think on, if you don't have anyone, online for me was my saviour and I went to a few Melbourne meetups, which was my saviour because I had no one in my peer group or family who was vegan and it does help, you know. It says you become the five people that you spend the most time with. If they're all meat eaters and not vegan, it's really difficult to be the only one in the pack that's eating that way. So, of course, it's easy to fall back and be like, all right, let's just eat whatever together. I'll get a pizza. I'll have it with cheese. It's okay. Um, so community is a big thing. And then education, like Penelope said, that she had all science behind her when she goes in these conversations. So she's... She's armed and ready. And if you are someone who finds it really hard to to challenge the status quo of your peers and your family members, educating yourself is so is something that helps. For me, it helps the most. If I'm if I'm doing a flip something that I know is on the fringe of what the mainstream is doing, I make sure that I've read everything, I've done everything, I've got every answer 
on a, in my brain list. Sometimes I have a, in my phone arguments. I just type them in like, if they're going to say this, what am I going to say? I'm going to say I type it in just so I, not so much about veganism, but other arguments that I've had, you know, just make sure that you're really informed and that you feel really con- strong about your convictions so that you don't feel like, whoa, someone's challenging me. Oh my God, maybe I shouldn't be vegan because carrots have feelings too. I better stop because the plants, the plants are also screaming and the trees are crying and they're sending messages saying we're eating them and pulling it. So we have to just eat animals now because the plants have feelings. And my friend's right. If plants have feelings, I may as well not worry about the animals either. Yeah. But even like, even if you don't um, find it easy to engage like in a war. Like you don't want to be like, Oh no, like here's all the damn facts and get yourself straight. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that. I'm just saying (laughs) I just sit there silently and have that in my back, in my head, just nodding and smiling and thinking you can think that, but I feel I'm not saying you have to get your phone out and start reading off the list, but it just, it, it just, it just, having the awareness inside myself helps. So it's not that I read it and spew it out to everyone who I meet who challenges me. Sometimes I have, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes, <laughs> I, sometimes I have. I'm, not, I'm a human who can get very emotionally charged about things I'm passionate about. I feel like this is my destiny. Like I've got to share it with everybody. And like so you kind of feel like you've got to. Like, oh, you've never heard this before, clearly, because you're eating meat. Like, <laughs> but, um, but even just being there, you know, like we've had people, particular old family friend, like who said to Kane, like, oh, gee, you're looking really good. And, you know, just by being there and being like, yeah, well, actually, we've done this and we've gone vegan and I'm feeling better than ever. And people look at you like, oh, you don't look like you're protein deficient like you don't look like a skinny hippie you don't look you know like I'm feeling so much more vibrant and just by being there I am in a way being active in you know spreading the message because I'm like look I'm healthy and I'm a vegan (laughs) like but you don't have to show everybody every single piece of Mm. exactly I think that that for me has been a slow long lesson it's about about just modeling it rather than ramming it down people's throats even though I do a I think I do a healthy balance of ramming and and showing <laughs> but but yeah I think that modeling it is such a key thing like thriving as a vegan is the best message that we can give people well can you just before we end what are your three biggest tips for someone starting on this transition where would you say if you someone was listening to this episode they already know a bit about veganism but they're like oh i don't know how i would do it i don't know what would you suggest penelope um well my first one would probably be just just do it just get started you know um you're always going to make excuses to whatever else but i think like literally just give it a go and don't be like, oh, I'll start on Monday. I'll start tomorrow, whatever. Just do it. Like, just get rid of Throw all Throw your groceries. Yeah, do it. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, that's my message because I think a lot of people are, are kind of like on the fence and they're like, oh, yeah, maybe one day. Well, why not today? Do it. <laughs> so that would be my first one. Um, and I think the next one will be like, don't 
be afraid to lose face. Like I think um, some people, especially like big meat-eating spruikers who used to eat burgers and sausages and whatever else, and they suddenly go, oh, well, I can't go vegan because I've been making fun of vegans for so long. And it's like nobody's going to be like throw it in your face. Like, well, maybe some people will. But it's all about what you want to do with your life and don't ever be afraid of what other people will judge you for or say to you it's about you and this will will help you it will help the planet or help the animals like um don't be afraid that oh i'm gonna go back on my opinion or whatever because i think one of the biggest hallmarks of integrity is changing your opinion when new facts come into your life and being like oh well actually i'm gonna analyze this and be like this is actually a better way to go and i'm gonna do it so yeah, so don't be afraid that you'll be judged. Or- That's a really good answer, which I haven't heard. I love getting ones that I haven't heard, but that's such a big that's a, such a big challenge for people, especially like you're saying, people who have like maybe mocked vegans previously, and they're like, "Oh, I have to keep eating meat because I told that vegan that he was uh, yeah. bloody whatever, yeah, tree hugging hippie or whatever." Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's a really good point because it is you know like. It can be difficult when your egos, our egos are so wound up in every single, single choice that we make. And so, yeah, going vegan if your ego, yeah, I'm. Yeah, it's also like because it's a cultural thing, like don't be afraid that your friends won't like you anymore because you used to go out for steak on Thursday night. You can still go out and, you know, get a big pile of potato chips or something instead. Like it's not about the food (laughs) and um yeah I think people are afraid because you know all all my mates do this and if I don't do it then I won't fit in anymore and I think like you've said on previous podcasts that we are creatures of you know we're social and we don't want to feel like we're going to be breaking the norm but you know it's not a big deal it's just food it's really it's fine. <laughs> I didn't lose any friends. Well, maybe not to my face. Anyway, not to my face. They've all stick, stuck around. But I definitely thought that I was going to lose all of them. Yeah. And it's not because of what you're eating. Like if you do lose friends, it's probably because you just keep saying you have to change what you're eating. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're eating a potato or you're eating a steak. It's really, it's not about that. If, if, and you know, the, that good old, um, I think it's Dr. Zeus quote, it's like, the people who matter don't care and the people who care don't matter. So there you go. <laughs> you want to make sure you've got good friends. Um, do something like that. But, yeah, and then the third probably is just, you know, get educated. Like I started getting into the whole foods, plant-based stuff when I read Dr. Greger's book and it had it had a whole chapter on suicidal depression. I was like, oh, I never knew that was connected with food and um because that was something that I struggled with then I learned more about that and then I could integrate more about that into my diet so I just think you know try and get educated as much as you can and join all those groups and read all those books and yeah um you won't regret it yeah thank you so much Penelope I've really loved talking to you like I always do it's my favorite thing to talk to people who care about their health and the animals and the planet as much as I do. So thank you so much for coming on the show and writing to me. It was really, I loved it. And I think so many people who are listening will be like, oh my gosh, I, because that, that type of 
diarrhea, gas, nightmare, IBS, nightmare. It's happening to so many people and it is hidden because no one wants to talk about that they've got diarrhea and that they're bloated and feel horrific. But so many people are constipated, balancing, walking this tightrope of, is this going to make me constipated or or make me have diarrhea or constipated diarrhea or am I going to be bloated? Am I going to be at this party with this huge pregnant belly just sitting there going, oh, my God, I need to fart but I can't because I'm surrounded by people and, you know, it's a real struggle. Like it might not be cancer, it might not be heart disease or, you know, having a stroke but it's it's a daily horrible suffering still that goes on that we don't really speak about and that most people are impacted upon in some way or another and just think this is just what life's like. I just feel this way. Whenever I eat food, it's just a gross, endless status quo. You start thinking and you like think back to like when I was a kid, I wasn't very healthy either. And I was like, you know what? I used to only go to the toilet like once a week. You know, that's bad. Like I must have felt shit. (laughs) It's kind of like, why Why do you just live with that? Like go out and try something and see if it helps. Like that's all you can really do. Get lots of turmeric in you and, you know, all those anti-inflammatory stuff and see, see how it goes. There's no bad side effects. Exactly. Just do it. Okay, thank you. I'm sorry I could ramble all day. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely to talk to you. Thank you, Penelope, for coming on the show and thank you all for listening. You can follow Penelope on Instagram at plantbasedpenelope. If you haven't yet subscribed, I put out new episodes every week on Sundays slash Mondays and if you could take the time to leave me a five-star review and a really kind rating, or just kind, but kind, rating, sorry, five-star rating and a kind review, it would really help me to spread this message. Or you can also follow... The Facebook page, When Life Gives You Lemons Go Vegan, where I share new episodes and also interesting behind-the-scenes moments each week with you, which would be awesome. And if you know anyone who's living with chronic illness, you can share this podcast via Stitcher app, via iTunes, on my website, and on Facebook. So that would be awesome. Thank you so much for helping me spread this message of hope as far across the world as I possibly can, because that's... I'm doing all this for. (laughs) So thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Next week, I've got Jennifer on the show and her story is great. And she was so just wise, articulate, amazing. I really enjoyed listening to her. She has so much great advice and just kind of thoughts about being plant-based and her journey is just really fascinating. I loved listening to it. So yes, definitely check out Jennifer next week. She lost a ton of weight and not a ton. That sounds really offensive. Sorry, Jennifer. She lost a lot of weight and yeah, overcome some health issues and feels amazing now. So check her out next week. All right. See you later.